welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like capital ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It would mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy. If you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy, you can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions. And that means the world to me. And I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Well, I have a an issue here. My uh, laptop is dead and I forgot my charger at um, my brother's house in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So 
I'm going to have to wing this today. I'm, I'm sure you guys are used to, used to me winging it anyway, right? So it shouldn't be an issue. Um, so I, I was going to talk about the one thing that everyone asks me about all the time, and it goes along with implementation, and that was how to buy a, a, a company with no money down, how to get equity in, in companies with no money down, how to get paid to get equity in companies. might be a little heavy for this, this early in the morning. I'm not sure um, if that sounds like something you would like to talk about. I'm gonna have to wing it, but um, if that's something you want to talk about, let me know. If not, if you have something else, like Linnell, if you want to touch on something, or um, someone else, or Jan, if you want to, like, you know, she's oh yeah, there you are. If you want to instigate a conversation, feel free. Or would you rather learn about the companies? Let me know. What do you say? Well, I would learn love to learn companies. how to get invest, how to invest in a company with no money down. <laughs> yes, okay. please. Okay. Agreed. I second All right. that. Well, I guess I guess we'll roll with that. I'm, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just tell you a little bit about how this this all works and what the starting block is. Uh, so, anytime that you look at if someone says, "Hey, there's a company for sale. How can I buy it? I need to get some money. I need a loan. I need an investor." Um, that's the, that's the wrong thinking. First of all, what problem does that person who's selling the company have that you need to solve? Right. That's the first thing. I don't care how much they want. If they want it all up front. Because that's usually the only way that people think. Okay, if I'm selling my company, well, I guess I get the money up front. Well, that's not always the case. There's 16 ways to buy a company with no money down, right? I'm not going to go through all 16, um, but what I can show show you is how to get. Let's just start with the equity part. So, when I when I talk to people and I talk to three new people every single day of the week, um, and I'm always looking for a way to solve their problem. My number one talent is a master problem solving. So when someone comes to me, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter company, if it's personal problem issue, it doesn't matter. Because I think very simple. What's the root of the comment? What's the root of the reason they're selling the company? What's the root of the, of the, of the fear? What's the root of whatever it is that they are trying to run away from, right? Some people you might, might, might be saying right now, well, what do you mean? Someone's selling their company and they want to run away. Well, let me let me give you an example. So I had a, a, a company that was looking to sell, and it was an older gentleman. And he said, yeah, it's time to sell. It's time to retire, you know, this kind of stuff. And um, this is my company, and this is what it's worth, and this kind of stuff. And he was expecting me to jump into the deal structure of, okay, well, let's look at how much and this, that, and the other. And I asked him, well, why do you want to sell? And he said, well, it's time to retire. And I could tell there was something there, right? Most people would have stopped right there. Okay, once you retire, that's, that's easy. Well, I realized there was something else there. So after a conversation and the five magic questions that I always ask, as I've said here a million times, you might want to write these down and execute on them. First question I always ask, and this isn't a conversation form. It can take 20 minutes. It can take an hour. Um, first question is always, what's your status? Like, what's going on? Where are you at? Second question is, what challenges are you having? Third question is, what have you done to try to overcome those challenges? Fourth one is, why do you think that didn't work? And then the fifth one is, uh, where do you want to go from here? So in those questioning, uh, in those questioning, and in that questions, uh, the thing that came up when he said the challenge, the challenge was he didn't want to retire, but his wife wanted him to retire because she wanted to travel, right? And he was deathly scared of retiring because he said, if I retire, I'm probably just going to die, you know, because he, he needs a mission and purpose. 
And so I used that information to, to strike a deal with this guy where I, you know, bought his company with a partner with no money down. How did we do that? Well, um, I said, well, I'm going to need you for the next at least three years as a consultant to help, you know, roll us over into the company because I'm going to sell this thing in three years, right? So we're going to exit. And so I need you around. He was like, really? And I was like, yeah, I need you around. And I said, I, I, I want you to slowly work us into the company. I don't want to take over and, and change everything because you're doing a good job. I will only add to the, to the revenue. And he was, he was beaming. This guy was on fire. He's like, oh, yes, I get to stay in. I get to retire and I get to stay in the business. So I get the best of both worlds. Uh, do you think this guy was going to go anywhere else and look for someone else to, uh, um, to buy the company? No, of course not. So now I just had to find a way to, um, to get the company for no money down. And there's ways to do it. One way is to use a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, who will buy the real estate that you're looking to buy if there's real estate with the company. They'll buy it. They'll give you enough money that you need to, to buy the company. They'll give you even double, triple what the, what the real estate is worth if you can afford to pay them rent for the next 10 or 20 years, depending on what the deal is. So you take the money from them, you pay the owner, you have money left over, and you pay rent from the revenue that's already generated from the company. And you have a free business, for instance. Well, in this case, this guy had about, I think he had 1.2 million in the company bank account. Most people think that your company bank account is your own money. It's not. It's not money that you can just blow and spend. And if you take it out, you're going to pay a capital gains tax, which is some in some, some places up to 30%. So I said, hey, I'm going to buy your company for a dollar. I'm going to take half a million dollars out of that, out of that account. And I'm going to, or maybe it was three quarters of a million, I don't remember. Take it out of that account. I'm going to pay you that, right? So he's going to forego the uh, capital gains tax. And I'm going to write it into a, an agreement for him to be a consultant for the next three years, as I, as I mentioned. And I'm going to pay him up front with that half a million or 750000 That goes as a down payment for the company. And the rest, you can either do seller financing or just defer the payments quarterly, yearly, whatever it is. And then as you pay, the, pay him those over those deferred payments, his equity shares drop lower and lower and lower and lower until it's to zero and you own the whole company. And all I do, all I did was consult the leaders that were already in the company, running the company on how to increase the revenue so we could pay them off earlier, did some online stuff. And there's some, there's some programs that we use that can plot out the revenue for your company for the next 12 months, day for day, not only just the revenue, but exactly what activities you need to do in order to reach that revenue. And it goes with, it works in any industry. And so there, I bought a company for no money down. There, then there's ways to get equity. So I had a company in Austria. They said, hey, um, Stephen, we would like to go to America and sell our product to, to the American government. It's a accessory for military. And I was like, okay, what's your deal? And he said, well, we don't know anybody. I'm like, okay, well, I found out what the problem was. The problem was they needed to, if they wanted to sell to Americans, to the American government, they needed to be manufacturing in America. So they needed a manufacturer. From that manufacturer, they needed a distributor. And from the distributor, they needed what? A government contractor. So I found that out in the call. Actually, we met in person and uh, in Austria. And uh, I went to town. I said, give me two weeks. I called through my network, found a manufacturer, found a distributor, found a government contractor, talked with them singularly, spoke to them about what the deal was. They all agreed they can do this. 
And then I brought them together on a call and said, look, if we're going to do this, we got to work together and make this happen and actually crush this. So we did that, figured out what kind of impact we could have and um, what the costs were going to be. And, uh, of course, they had shares in the company. That was the deal so that the, the owner of the company didn't have to pay them that much. So they, they get shares. So you see what I'm talking about here? Even they got shares in the company. And I went back to this guy and I said, okay, uh, here we are. You want to go to America? Here's your distributor. Here's your manufacturer. And here's a government contractor. And he was like, oh, my God, you did all that stuff without even talking about, like, a, a contract or what you want or anything. I said, well, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sign with you until I know that I can solve your problem. And there's a big issue right there. The first block you're gonna get when you, when you're talking to somebody, is talking about money before anything even happens. You're talking about what you're gonna get before they get what they're gonna get. You're talking about what you're gonna get before you even know what their issue is. So I got, I go back to this guy and I tell him, hey, um, this is what we got. And he's like, well, what, how is this gonna work? And I said, really simple. It's gonna be great for you. This is what's gonna happen. These three guys, we're going to take you down this path, and in the next three years, you're going to bring in, I don't know what it was, $10 million, $5 million, whatever. It was a lot of money. And he was like, well, you figured that out? I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, these guys are professionals. That's what they do. They're in the government space. And uh, he said, okay, so what do you want? And I said, okay, I want um, upfront fee for, of 20K for the introductions. I, would not, I didn't say I want. I wrote this down on a one-page agreement. So I got 20K. For, um, for, a, uh, for the introductions, which is immediate money. And then I got uh, a retainer for three months in order to set up the deal. I think it was five or seven K a month to set up the deals and make sure everything's running smooth and to do the handover. I got 7.5% equity in the company and I got 3% revenue share for the next five years, uh, or it was either 5% for three years or 3% for five years, I can't remember on all the sales that were made by the people that I brought in present and future. So there I had immediate money, short-term money, mid-term money, and I had an exit strategy. Exit strategy was in the contract. It was three-year guaranteed exit, my choice only. They can't force me out. And the valuation is done by a third party, independent third party, so that I'm guaranteed to have an exit. Whatever the valuation of the company was, I would get 7.5% of that company. And then I always add a paragraph to the, to the contract. But the contract, I know I don't write. I'll write a one-page agreement with those bullet points on there, what I just, I just said, the upfront fee, the, the retainer, and the uh, profit share. And I'll send it to them. And the reason I do that is because when I send them an agreement, they sign it, they pay, I can start working immediately, literally on one day. If I wait and say, let me have my, my, my lawyer draw up all the paperwork, it's going to take weeks and months, right? And I give them the one-pager, they pay me, we get started. Their lawyer takes care of everything, right? Their lawyer takes care of everything. So there I'm saving money too, right? I'm not even paying a lawyer. They send everything back to me. I add one paragraph called Dragon Tag. And Dragon Tag is a paragraph that, that says that if this company gets sold um, and, and you know moves on, I get dragged along with it. I'm tagged in the equity and I get dragged along with it. And this happened recently with a, an electric, um, an electric uh, generator company where... I got 5% of the company. I got 10, 10, 15K up front. I got 5K retainer. Uh, and they got bought by a big multinational. And guess who got dragged along, right? I got tagged and dragged. And uh, now I own 5% of a very, very big, um, very well-doing company. And I did nothing. Now, you got to realize all these companies I have equity in, 22 of them, uh, I have no operational responsibility whatsoever. 
So I'm not working on them. I added value in the beginning. I got it off the ground. I gave them distributors. I got them customers. I got them clients. You know, there's, there's many, many things that, that you can do for a company to increase the revenue where you, you simply make introductions. So I know that probably sounds complicated, but we can break right here for a second. And let me ask if we have any questions on that model. Um, Go ahead. Steven, it's Maria. Yes. Hey, Maria. Hi. Hey. My brother's in Colorado Springs, by the way. Um, oh. Mary, I was just going to say, I'm really, I do want to speak after you, Maria. Um, I sure. Very patiently to speak. And yeah. Thank you. So uh, when they sold the company, uh, did that exit strategy, that exit clause, three years, whatever, did that carry over too? Yes, it does. Um, usually they, yeah, that's actually a, a good question. Yes, it does. I, everything stays the same, which is in my agreement. Okay. So it's it's up to me. I mean, you know, it's when it's that small piece of a, of, of revenue. I mean, I've had I've had up to thirty percent revenue in companies for helping them out. But sorry, equity and and for companies helping them out. But yeah, it's it sticks with it. They'll they'll try to change everything. They'll try try to change clauses and all that kind of stuff. But you just say no because you're you're part of the company. Sure thing, Chantel. Was that you? Yes, thank you, Stephen, uh, for giving you all. Um, I, I want to say it's been like a clarifying moment, you know, for anybody listening. It's just been a real masterclass. And one of the things that I actually have been told, just in relation to, I think it was a question that TM gave earlier in the um, in the talk, but the idea that you know you really want to kind of execute on advice that you're given and. There was also a point you have to be mindful of where it comes from. Yeah. And one of the things that I have been, you know, kind of always advised just in relation to my business, what I'm building, um, that it's going to take more a team to raise, um, you know, the baby, so to speak. And right. one of the things that I have really been um, kind of doing, I think just in learning, you know, because I think what it's about really is about understanding how money works. Um, you know, specifically in relation to um, the presentation you were given, but um, when it comes to like company valuations and the tough lessons that go with that. And, you know, one thing that I've really been kind of, one thing that I never anticipated is actually, um, you know, really selling the company that I'm building. Because for me, when you build a business that you love, you never really let go of it. And so I think what has been happening as a result of coming into these clubhouse rooms is that there is the potential to, you know, sell what you're, what you'd be referring to as your baby. And it just, <laughs> when you're building something that means a lot, um, you tend to get very, um, you know, guarded about taking opinions. And I think as a solo founder as well, you know, trying to find people who, company means as much to them as it would to me you know they really do care for the baby so that we can nurture to the best ability and then you know the idea of being able to sell it on at something much more valuable than when you started becomes more of a reality so um one i've really just been learning how to kind of pull myself back from the business and um you know implement systems something that people can hold on to or, or build upon when you're not there so that's been one of the real challenges. I'm so accustomed to doing everything myself and I'm bootstrapping the business. So um, <laughs> it's been a tough ride, but I really have just loved kind of just listening, scaling back and um, 
you know, just acknowledging the, the, the I want to say the gems, like, of, of what's being shared in the room. So um, I just thought I'd add that. Um, it wasn't what I wanted to say much earlier on in the conversation, but the conversation has developed. That's fine. It's good. It's, it's, that's great feedback. So, I mean, do, do you have a direct question or is that, is that, is that do you want me to, do you need some advice or you need something? Yeah, or? I mean, if I was to put a direct question um, to you, I mean, when you, they, they talk about when you're valuing a business that you have to be traction is one of those things that really um, kind of get your um, your valuation, you know, up there. It's one of the main factors um, alongside all the things that you shared, obviously. Um, but with regards to how you'd actually build, um, you know, I, I think this is probably like prior to where you'd actually be able to buy the company. But when you're thinking about valuing a business, you know, can you offer like any key kind of considerations that you want to have? Or you mean if, if I'm if I'm acquiring a, a business, what I'm looking for, what kind of uh, yeah. well, there's a DD, uh, sorry, a due diligence list, a pretty classic one. You can go online, Google, and say what's a due diligence list, and um, uh, for buying a company, for acquiring a company, and they'll just you know you can just download it, and there's a million questions there. You look at revenue, you look at profit share, you look at Cash flow. I uh, look at the, the, the partners, the shares, who owns what. If there's real estate involved, um, if there's land involved and real estate, there's there's so many different um, factors there. The first thing I look at is the team, the team, because I don't want to run the company. So if I have a, if I have a company that has a, a team that's not performing, then I'm not going to even consider you know acquiring that company because I don't want to run the company. So I look at the team. Are they coachable? I talk to people and, you know, talk to leaders and who wants to stay on and who doesn't and what are they, what are their fears? What are the problems that they have in there? Is that something that I can fix or is it something that's culturally, um, that culturally needs to be fixed? Uh, is it just structuring? Uh, obviously the, the financials have to make sense and there's a lot of creative financing out there where people take and they put equity from the real estate into the business as cash. Uh, on the balance sheet and you got to watch out for that because it looks like it's making a lot of money but it's not and you know all this kind of stuff so it, you know you got to get accountants involved you got to get lawyers involved and the way to do that even without paying again i'm still not paying for for the lawyer and i'm still not paying for the due diligence is because i cut him in on the deal so um right now we're looking at a company in switzerland the company's 47 years old sorry it was opened in 1947 uh, and it's family owned third generation and the fourth generation doesn't want it. Well, this, this has a piece of real estate in one of the prime locations, which is hard to believe that no one's snapping it up. And the business owner, um, is a husband and wife, the third generation. And they're just the sweetest couple you ever wanted to hear, but they are hardcore business people and their business. Um, they're asking, uh, 6.2 million for their business and the real estate's worth 9.5 million, right? Just as it sits. And so what does that tell you what I just said in the beginning with a REIT, real estate investment trust? So that means that if the real estate's there, I can do what they call a carve out, I carve the business out, out of the real estate, keep the business, sell the real estate. So in order to do that, I need to bring the REIT, real estate investment trust, the seller and our team together. So our team consists of a lawyer who's going to get some equity, so we're not paying them. And it consists of an accountant and due diligence who we're not paying because they're getting uh, equity, right? So in the, in, in the business, just small amounts, one or 2%. So if you're an accountant, for instance, 
or if you're um, someone who does due diligence, or if you're, you know, um, the forensic investigator for finances, you can, instead of taking a big fee, you can take equity in the company and a smaller fee. That's how I started. So this company now, I looked at the cash flow. They're paying a million um, Swiss francs in rent and to their own company, which owns the real estate, right? You know, you know how you do that. So they're paying a million dollars in rent and mortgages already. So if I would take that real that real estate and pay a million francs rent for the next 10 years, that REIT, the Real Estate Investment Trust, is going to give me 20 million francs. Now remember, I only need 9.5 to buy the real estate. They're, they would buy the real estate for 9.5, which is what it's worth. And I would pay the company 6.2 million. So that means I have 11 million francs left. And you're thinking like, well, how do you get free money like that? Well, it's not free really because the company's paying it back, but at a million dollars a year, they're already paying that. So the mortgage will be paid off. The real estate will be sold. The company will be bought. We'll have 11 million um, francs left. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorning5.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. It's over and we own the company. Now tell me that's not freaking awesome, right? How awesome is that? Oh my God, that's caffeine on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's done every day. It's done every day. And the process has taken about three months now and we're really, really close to the second LOI to, to lock it in. The REIT's ready to go. Um, we got the offer yesterday, literally. Um, and, uh, we just need to lock it up. Now the same thing happened there. The, the couple were like, look, this is a family business. I said, believe me, the most important thing about your business is your family name. It's been there since 1947. We would be idiots to try to change this. And so they have zero online presence. And so I said, okay, I'm going to increase the revenue by about 30% over the next year, just by the online presence. And so I'm not worried about the cash flow where I'm not worried about the rent. And that's why we're going to go, go with the million and the, uh, you know, the million rent for the 20 million. Now I'm not taking a big chunk of equity in this business because I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not looking to run a company, but I am going to train the, the general manager that's there now, uh, in, in the humble alpha operating system which is, if any of you know my book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, um, it's spreading like wildfire across the planet <laughs> as far as an operating system for leadership. Um, I, I, I don't even know if it's official yet, but uh, the book has been um, picked up, as you know, by Forbes Business School as curriculum for uh, their MBA. And now it's been picked up by two of the top, actually the two top Ivy League uh, universities in America, which is just blows my mind. And so we're to, I'm going to teach that to the, um, and teach them how to implement it into the culture of the company. So I took equity in that company, taking equity in the company and I'm getting a salary. So I'm, I'm literally taking a salary, a monthly salary, uh, so I could train this guy once a quarter for five days. So I'll, I'll go down to Switzerland, rough life. I know, uh, for five days, a quarter and, uh, train this guy on humble alpha operating system and help him implement it into his team and deploy the genius that he already has just in a, in a, in a manner that's going to be conducive to 
um, a strong team with a strong culture, stronger culture. And I'm getting the salary for that. So some, it depends what you want. You know, if you want all equity, if you want a little bit of equity, a little bit of cash, you want a little bit of equity, cash and commission. And there's so many different ways to structure it. The point is, what problem are you solving? So the couple that's selling it, I told them, your, your, your legacy is everything. So in, in, the, in the showroom on the wall, I'm putting a, the, the, you know, a, a timeline on the wall. And it's going to have pictures of the building when it first started back in 1947, the family, the father, the grandkids, and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to have like this timeline of how this company grew. And the guy had tears in his eyes. You know, he was like, my God, I, I don't want to sell this to anybody else. I, 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 and he told the, the lawyers, I want Stephen and his partner to, uh, to buy it, uh, to, you know, to acquire the company. Now, I, I didn't bring this deal. A partner brought this deal to me. She lives in Israel. I live in Hungary. They're in, they're in Switzerland. So you're like, what the heck's going on? Yes, it's all possible. I, don't, I haven't even been there yet. Just seen videos. And here we are buying the company. So that's just an example of, <clears throat> of how finding solutions um, leads to amazingness. And even the partner who came to me with this deal needed a problem solved. And that was how to get this company, how to buy this company with no money down. So she came to me with that, hey man, I have, I have this problem. So even then I solved the problem. And then we went to the company and we solved the problem there. And then we had the problem with the, with the, with the children that wanted out, but still wanted to get paid. And we're, I didn't talk about that, but that's one of the things as well. Um, and so on and so forth. So the one thing I can tell you that may, means more than anything, and it really, really does. And this is in every aspect of life, whether it's your relationship, or a business or with your kids, what's the freaking problem? Not the problem that you think they have, not the problem that they perceive that they have. It's the actual problem, the underlying current of what's driving that thought that something's wrong. And when you nail that, you've got a relationship, you have the open door to basically get whatever it is that you want, which is fair, of course. Um, and, you know, get a company, or, you know, get commissions or whatever it is. So um, we can talk about how do you get to be in that position where you're not worried about buying a company or selling a company or making money or growing revenue or drawing this or drawing that because you're so focused on your core power. And my core power is a powerful connector and problem solver, right? So any questions to that part of the, of the presentation? Hey, Stephen, this is Ramon. I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say this session was so good because I think that it, it helps us think in new dimensions. I'll leave it there because it's it, it's not so far advanced. I don't understand it in a bad way. It's good stuff. It's new for my brain. Yeah. And I do have a question, but I'll ask you later on because it'll take too long, but just about how influencers and, and smaller deals can be done. But maybe you can share that in another section, just well, uh, if there's a way for the $50,000, $100,000 deals, how that could work. Well, I have um, I have another thirty minutes. Oh, brother. great! Sorry. So. Okay. It, may I ask? Him, may I ask? Him, may I ask? Him? Okay. Yes. Yes. So the question is, I totally get it for the I'll call it smaller businesses, you know, or smaller deals and things like that, buying a manufacturing plant and all that. And that was so good. Can you talk a bit, just make up maybe a story, as it were, on let's say there's a podcaster, an influencer, and somebody who has a million followers, ten million, or has a three hundred thousand dollar business. Can they? Should they think of this game in some way, and not just JV? But literally buying, kind of how you said it. If, if that question makes sense, please. You mean you you would want to buy a podcast company, right? Or meaning like your creators doing stuff, like okay, Stephen Kuhn says, Ramon, 
oh wow, you Ramon, you have a hundred thousand YouTube followers. Hmm, I think I could buy that from you, and I could do X with it. Or Ramon tells Lolita, Lolita, you have fifty thousand women who you're meeting every week. You know what? I'll well, buy lost you. you. That's the kind of thing I mean. Hypothetical. Hypothetical. Yeah, sorry. I was just meaning creators buying each other's assets and using them. Is that any way in this game, if that makes sense? Hello. You guys got me? Uh, you I were on mute, Stephen, or something. Now now we can hear you. No, no, yeah, I lost everybody for some reason. Okay, sorry. Uh, so you're talking about a small creator, how they can sell their business. Sell or partner with others or buy somebody else's. But yes, I'll just repeat it. The oh, yeah. The creator game, the creators, yeah, okay. videos, and podcasters, influencers, yeah. people like yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what problem are you solving again? So if I'm a creator and I have, you know, a, a million followers on my YouTube, what's the, what's the core demographic? Who are they? What, what's your avatar, as they say? What can they provide? I mean, let me give you an example. So I used to run health clubs, right? We had 87 health clubs in nine countries. And we had every club had about, you know, two to 3,000 members. So we had like, you know, 150,000 members. Um, and I would go to uh, local stores, or I would even go to Nike and I, I did a deal with Porsche Adidas, uh, Porsche design Adidas. And I said, Hey, I'm from the health club chain. Um, you know, very high end, uh, you know, monthly fees were like 200, $200 a month and that kind of thing. Uh, we wore suits in the club, believe it or not. Anyway. So this, this was in Europe. We had one in Chicago, but you know, we sold it. And, um, I would say, I would say, I would say to them, Hey, could you, would you look at putting your, um, clothes and your design designer clothes in the, the gym in the health club and on commission or what do you call it Con conscription or whatever it's called when when they only get the money when they sell it. there we go consignment yeah there we go consignment see I'm, i've been in europe too long i forget my english <laughs> and and on consignment and they looked at me like what are you nuts why would we do that like you know and i said well we get um, about two thousand visitors every single day most visitors spend about a buck fifty every time they visit so if you can do the math over a month, we've got a lot of people coming into this club. We got a lot of people spending money. Average spend in the club is XYZ. Average income of the club member is XYZ. Um, you know, average age, average gender, all this kind of stuff. And they're like, holy shit, yeah, let's do that. So I made a deal with Porsche Design for the entire um, part, the, the entire um, chain in Switzerland. And then we moved to Germany. I did it with Nike. Then we moved to Hungary and I did it with uh, Puma. Or I think it was Puma or no, Reebok. It was Reebok. Before this was before uh, Reebok had the uh, CrossFit gyms, so yeah, Ramon, what is the demographic that you hold, and where can that be useful? So let's say, for instance, you have a podcast and you have listeners that are, um, okay. Well, how about this? Oh, this is a real world case. Case. So everyone knows Heather Paraday. If you're in this room, you know Heather Paraday. Heather Paraday and Rich Cardona started a podcast called NFTs for Newbies. And I had no idea that they started that podcast, but it took off and it's like one of the fastest growing podcasts, period. They're just going up by like 50,000 subscribers every month or I'm sorry, every week. And uh, they have the demographic that we need, right, for our NFT project. And uh, they, they said, hey, uh, would you like to be in the podcast? And I said, yeah, but I'd like to do a little bit more too. And uh, I can't tell you the amount that we're paying them, but it's not small and it's their biggest one ever. We're their first anchor sponsor. We're sponsoring the for, an, for an entire month for a nice chunk of money because they have what we need. They have an audience they want are looking to buy. And so there's there's an example of how they made some money. Now, if if we had a company and actually I could have done this. I could have said, you know what, guys, Rich and, and um, Heather, that's too much. 
cut it in half. I'll give you 5% equity of the project. You see what I'm saying? So they would be like, what? We own now 5% of have NFT? That could have worked, right? Or 1% or whatever it is, whatever it turns out to be the same amount. And then we could, then I could come back and say, okay, I'll give you 5%, but I want sponsor every two months for the next four months, you know, and for the next eight months, every two months, I want to sponsor it for this much equity and that much payment. And then we could have worked out a really good deal for both of us. And they'd be like, wow, we got equity in the company. We're getting paid for four months. This is awesome. Does that make sense, Ramon? It does indeed, and I love it. I love it. I love it. And Steven, maybe I'll just call you to work like a multi-million dollar deal, man. I'll give you like 50-50, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Happens all the time, brother. <laughs> I'm very picky about the, the about the companies that I work with because I have to know that I can solve their problem. Otherwise, I won't help them. I, I'll, I'll introduce them to somebody, but I'm not going to put my, my hat in the ring unless I know I can crush it, period. Just as simple as that. And if I don't, I will turn it like... Even, you know, perfect example, um, I interviewed um, Berwin last week from uh, Ecta, which is our blockchain partner. Uh, they went from zero valuation, new in August, up to 100 million value, I'm sorry, market cap um, today. So since August to today, the 100 million market cap. Dude's a genius. He's turned into a really, really good, dear, dear, dear friend. He's bankrolling the entire project that we have. We've, we've raised funds on the other end for the design and, and for the implementation and stuff. And then I had met Jan the week before, right? So Jan's in the room right beside me there. And I said, oh, man, these, these two got to meet. I don't even know why, but I just think they got to meet, right? So they're in the same part of the world. So I introduced those two. And who knows what's going to happen, right, Ramon? Who knows what's going to happen? But those two, there's, there's, there's going to be like fire, flame, and sparks because they're both from the same industry and they're both like go-getters. So that's just an example of I couldn't, I can't help Jan specifically. I can't help um, uh, Berwin specifically because I'm not into blockchain, but he's helping us. In order to give back, in order to maybe solve some problems, some issues that they have, I'm gonna, I introduce them. So off they go. If something happens, I'll get a chunk, a piece, uh, a coffee, who knows what. But law of reciprocity dictates that I will receive something either from them or from the universe. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not really worried about it. You see, there's always a way to give back. There's always a way to solve problems. There's always a way to pay it forward. If I saw an opportunity and I said, hey, Jan, I have this thing that I can, that can fix this and gain you that, then I would talk to her directly about that. And then we would find a way to work together. Could be pay, could be equity, whatever. I'm sure I wouldn't. I'm not suggesting this, Jan, in case you're wondering. She's probably like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> anyway. Jan, before Jan, before you talk to Steven, call me so I can take a finder's fee, Jan. Don't talk to Steven directly. <laughs> I'll introduce you to Steven, Jan, okay? Oh, man, I hope she's listening. I think she's not listening. That's too bad. Anyway, all right, good. Thanks for the question, Ramon. Anyone else? Hi, Steven. Question. This is Monica. Monica, my in cousin. The turquoise ring. Yes. Um. So I have a question going back to when you talked about the <clears throat> when you get equity in a deal, and I yep. really, first of all, I love the stacking of the revenue model that you explained about first you ask for the introduction fee, then you get a retainer fee to set up and, and facilitate the transition. Then you ask for equity, then you ask for revenue share. I love that. It's freaking brilliant. But here's my question. And this is not to throw up, not to throw a pall on the conversation. This is truly curiosity. When you have equity in a company like that, do you also have any legal exposure? Legal exposure in what way? What do you mean? Your responsibility? Like, no, like, there's no for example, if the if the if the owners of the company 
if the company gets sued for some sort of negligent thing or whatever, does do, do the equity partners have any legal exposure? Do you know? Typically no. I mean, typically no, but every case is different. I mean, if I'm an equity partner, I'm not active in it. And I just, of course, if there's like, I don't know, major fraud and embezzlement, you're going to get, you know, taken in and questioned. But if it's, if it's clear in, in the, in the contract that you are a silent partner or you're not, you know, you're not involved in operations in any way, shape or form, you're just an investor. Typically you're, you're fine. I mean, I've, I've, I've never heard of anybody personally getting in trouble like that. I know someone who got questioned and they thought he had something to do with it, but he was like, I don't even know these people. I literally only have equity in the company. He invested, you know, a little bit of money. Like I, I did a deal where here, here's, here's another way to get um, equity in company. It's not really no money down, but it's for free. Um, is I, I had someone who said, Hey, I need a certain amount of money um, to start restart my company. And uh, I said, okay, um, how much? And he told me, I said, oh, I, I can do that. What, what do you want to, you know, it's a loan. So what do you want back? And he said, he said, how about some equity and, um, and I'll pay it back in a year. And I was like, how about you pay it back in four months and I'll take 30% of the company. <laughs> and he was like, okay, we can do that. So basically four months later, I had the 10, the, the was it 10 or 15 K back and I had 30% of his company. And then he went on and did something really stupid, right? Um, and they had to shut the company down, but I had my money back. I have a company, a third, 30% of equity in a company that wasn't worth anything, but I didn't lose nothing. And when he got in trouble, they didn't even come for me because they, they saw that I wasn't even involved in the company, wasn't even in the country. So that's a great question, Monica. Every case is different. And if you're, if you know about something that's happening and you don't say something and you're an equity, equity shareholder or stakeholder or whatever, you don't say something, then of course you're liable regardless if you're operate, operational or not. But if you know someone's breaking the law, then of course you got to watch out and they, they don't mess around. And, you know, I guess in America, the law is a little different in Germany. They'll put you in prison for a fraud in, in financial fraud for longer than they put you in prison for murder. It's ridiculous. So white, white collar crimes are much, much more heinous in Germany than they are than, 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 you know, bodily harm. It's ridiculous, but yeah, there's always ways, there's always ways to uh, ensure yourself as well that you don't get in trouble. All right. Thanks, Monica. Any other questions? Hey, Stephen. This is Brian Inch. How you doing hey. today? All right, brother. How you Good. doing? Good. Hey, I understand that you've, you know, have questions and everything else. But even after you've gotten started, have there been occasions where you you may have walked away from a deal? Over. Oh, man! I walk away from ninety nine point nine percent of the deals. Like I said, if I can't solve, if, if I know that I can't solve the problem, I won't do it, period. If I don't have the resources, the people that I know, I, I won't do it. Now, you're probably saying you can't solve 99.9% .9 of the problems. I probably could, but there's also other, other factors in, in play. I'm not interested in the business. I don't want to do the business. It would be too much work. Uh, it would take too much of my time. It's in the wrong location. I don't like the team that works there. The finances don't look good. There's so many, so many factors. But the number one factor is that how does it feel? Like, how do I feel? What's the vibe? Do I have a good, you know, vibe with the, with the sellers? Because they're going to be involved in the business for a while anyway, after, after it's sold. So, you know, most of the time. So no, I, I walk away from 99.9% deals. Appreciate it, Stephen. Thank you so much for your insights. Sure thing, my friend. Anyone else? Any questions? Hey, Stephen. Good morning. It's Linnell. Hey, what's up, my guardian angel? How are you doing? Hey, love, how are you? <laughs> and so 
this has been absolutely incredible. You're doing things on an entirely different level. And so I wanted to know when you talked about the REIT, are they, the REIT that you initially start with, is it going to be the same one or are you going to uh, create different REITs as you go along for different companies similar to forming different LLCs if you're buying a piece of property? Well, no, a REIT is an external, it's a, it's a real estate investment trust. You can probably form your own. I've never done that. I, I just use existing ones. It's easier that way. Uh, they're all hungry for real estate. As long as you can pay the rent, they'll give you the money you need. Uh, so no, I don't, I don't form, we don't form our own REITs. That would be for us just too much, uh, too much of a headache. So we use existing REITs. So you can go out there and almost every city in America has a real estate investment trust looking to snap up some property. I mean, there's people I know, that's all they do. They go around looking for businesses that own property and buy the business and gut it and sell the, sell the, um, you know, sorry, they do a carve out and then they sell the real estate and, uh, <laughs> you know, cash in, walk away with a couple hundred grand every time. So yeah, you can do, you can do just that as well. Awesome. Good to know. Thank you, sir. Indeed. All right. Thank you. Yes. And anyone else who hasn't spoken yet? No. All right. Good. Let's, um, Hi. let's move. Yes. Hi, Stephen. Uh, this is Janice. I have a interesting question. So I'm here in Cape Canaveral, Florida. And I have an individual teacher that owns 18 units, and she wants to sell it for $5 million. The value of the property, it is right next to the ocean. There's like a house in front of it. What would you do with that? It's, so it's not a business. It's a person. What do you mean a person? They're selling real estate. The, the lady that owns it is going to, is a teacher. She yeah. was purchased it uh, 15 years ago, and I found it, and I wanted to buy it, and she wanted to well, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm not the real estate specialist here at all. As a matter of fact, I'm not a specialist for any of this stuff. This is just what I do. I get specialists to come and do it, just, right. just as a disclaimer. But if, it's, if she has real estate that's already generating revenue through rent, um, you just have to look at the rent, what, it, what, what the monthly rent or the annual rent is. What the payments would be to the to the REIT if they would buy it, and so, I don't know. I don't know. You know, if the rent covers the cost of the real estate, then then you'll get it. Put it that way, right? Yeah. So if you if you if you go to the bank or you go to the REIT right. wherever you go to, you say, look, here's the real estate. This is what it's worth. Um, this is the rent. Uh, it's covered. The rent pays the bills. Let me buy it. That's pretty much in in layman's terms how it works. Right. I, I understood all that. I just wondered how that would work with the individual you were talking about businesses compared to yeah well the business generates the revenue to pay the rent for the real estate so that's a, a bit different than a, than a single person if a single person owns it then you got to have some way to to guarantee the revenue or guarantee the rent uh, that would pay uh the REIT or the 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 loan back that's that's what's all about how do i guarantee that i'm going to pay this back right and by the, and by the way when you buy businesses or even take loans, you don't have to sign a personal guarantee. Matter of fact, do all you can not to sign a personal guarantee. Just as an example, I don't, I don't have a personal guarantee for anything, nothing, nada. Um, and we, we swear by that. Most most people, most banks, and say, you need a personal guarantee, like, no, we're not gonna sign that. And then they're like, okay. <laughs> but if you say it like, do I have to sign it? Then they're gonna say yes. So just, just stand your ground and be, 
certain in that what you do. So is it, did I answer your question? I'm, I'm probably not very well, but at least it gave you a little idea. It, I, I wish it fit under your umbrella of the magic. It's not magic what you do. It's like Ramon is saying, you and uh, Linnell, and you're expanding our thoughts so, so much. And I'm just so grateful for your segment. Uh, just carry on. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Hey, so look, I, I, honest to God, it sounds very complicated, but this is how I got started. I, I, I was, you know, as an advisor and a consultant. That's all I did, traveled around. I went all over, you know, all over the world, mostly Europe, Middle East, and some, some Far East, went to Hong Kong, things like that. And people would be like, you know, after a while, well, here's, here's how I got my first big gig. This is going to blow your mind. So, you know, I was getting, I don't know, 8K a month, 10K a month, 15K a month, maybe if I was good, a month for contractors, contract work, running around Europe like a maniac. I would, I would do three contracts at the same time, going to, you know, I was in Hungary for two days, and I went to Switzerland for two days, and I went to um, you know Germany for two days, and I go back home, and then I could do, do it again the next week. And after a while, I was like, "Gee, this is too much. Like, I can't, you know, I can't do this." So, um, someone asked me one time. I got this LinkedIn message, believe it or not. And they wrote me and said, "Hey, we're a we're a four hundred one k investment fund. We have our office in Turkey, in Istanbul, and uh, we're 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 currently acquiring two companies, and we need a mediator." And they're in the health club industry. And we would wonder if you'd come over to Turkey for a day and mediate. First of all, I'd never been a mediator before, so I don't know why they even asked me. Second of all, like, I'm not going to Turkey for a day. Oh, my God, that's flight in and out, customs and immigration. And oh, I'm not going. I'm not doing that stuff. So I was like, I just, instead of saying no, <laughs> this is so fun. I, uh, I wrote back. I'm like, hey, thank you for the, um, the opportunity. Sounds like something that I can tackle. Not a problem. My rates are. Uh, I think it was like 30K for the day for business class there and back, all food, hotel overnight, and transport to and from hotel. And I was like, they're going to say no, and then I can leave it alone. And they said yes. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, I just made 30K for a day. Are you kidding me? You know, and from that point on, those were my prices. So when you truly don't need it, and this is where that energy comes from, right? Where that, when you truly don't care about the outcome, you're not worried about the outcome. You're not fixated on the outcome. That energy flows, and they're like, holy crap, this guy must be big. He must be good. You know, I am. But, you know, I am good. But at the time, I didn't know it was that good, if you know what I mean, right? So sometimes you just got to go out on a limb and say, you know what? I don't want to do this, but if, you, if I'm going to do it, you're going to pay me. So this is how much I want. And from then on, that's what I did. And it's, it's lit, it was literally because I didn't want to go to Turkey for a day that I ended up um, taking my prices, you know, uh, you know, my price of my, uh, I don't even know what it was a hundred times, hundred, hundred X or whatever it was. So always looking for a way to solve a problem, but also earning your, your, your living through that. So just, just so you know, of course, now I work online and those, those kind of prices are gone anyway. So that I don't get that anymore. And just in case you're wondering, you want to call me for a loan, you know? <laughs> All right. So any other questions? No. I don't have a question, Stephen. This is Coach Kim, but I wanted to say this has been a very brilliant um, discussion. This segment has been, I've, I've tracked from the beginning to the almost ending, and I'm just like, okay, this is, this is what I need in my life. This, I need these types of conversations at 5 a.m. every morning. Well, um, that 5 a.m. might be a little early for me every morning, but I'll do it once a week. <laughs> um, so, hey, I love it. Kim, look, 
um, reach out. I, I think uh, we probably already did, didn't we? Did we do that? Yeah. We're, so let's reach out. Let's do that. Yeah, you did. Okay, good. Calendly, let's chat. Lo- I'd love to. I'd love to give you a hand and 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 let you and find and find a way for you to own own equity and companies. Um, you know, it's, it's it goes without saying that <clears throat> when you get a letter in the mail or an email, a letter in the mail. Who gets that anymore? Anyway, if, when you get an email, I just showed my age. When you get an email that uh, that says, "Hey, uh, our company was just acquired." Um, we're in, we have a new new valuation of whatever it is, a couple hundred, a couple million, couple double digit millions. Um, please sign the new document in DocuSend. And you're looking at this thing, you're like, "Holy cow, man! When I exit this company, it's going to be a lot of freaking money." That's some pretty cool stuff. And when you realize that it took me probably two weeks of 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 thinking about it, and probably a total of six hours of work to get that equity. Uh, and then I just hung out for a couple a couple years, and there it is, you know. So there's so much out there that we don't know about, but the way that I got started was by mistake, and then from that point on, I just got creative. And when you say to me, like someone says to me, "Boy, you, all of those four things that value stacking, like Monica said, you know, the commission, the equity, the upfront fee, and that kind of stuff," people are like, "Why aren't you taking them for a ride?" I'm like, "Well, let's add it up from that." that accessory company in Austria, I probably made 20, 35, 40, maybe four, maybe 60 K, um, uh, you know, including the commission, maybe a hundred K uh, and then, then the equity, which I haven't exited yet. So, um, maybe a hundred K they brought in 15 million. So who's ripping who off? You know what I'm saying? Like, really think about it. If I, if I was a scarcity mindset person, I'd be like, look, man, I'm bringing you $15 million. I want, you know, 20%. Or whatever it is, but I don't act. I don't work like that. I solve the problem. I pass it on to people who can solve the problem. They're going to make the money, right? I'm going to have the goodwill. I'm going to have the upfront money, the immediate, and I'm going to have enough for me to move on and create the relationships. And that that relationship actually built out and got me another deal because he was so happy with working with me. So he referred me to another person, and that's the magic. I never look for deals. I never look for leads. I never canvas for leads. I never have lead generation. I do zero marketing when it comes to M&A, mergers and acquisitions. And most people who talk to me, they're like, oh, can you solve this problem? I'm like, yeah, okay, da, 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 da. And they say, how much is it? I go, it's 50K. And they're like, oh, that's too much. I said, okay, I'll take 25 and 5% equity. And they're like, really? Yeah, okay, let's do it. Done. That's it. That's it. Simple as that, right? So if you're solving a problem and you you have that kind of weight behind you that people know, like, oh man, when you know, when Kim steps up, shit's happening, right? Then they're, they're, they're going to be all over it. They're going to be all over it because people are like, equity is free. You know, most people who own companies are like, oh, I, I can give away 5%. That doesn't matter. Now, now you got to look, if it's like a flower shop on the corner, you know, 6th in Maine, uh, how much, how much is that equity worth? And how much will it ever be worth? Is that, is that even able to be scaled? So just be careful. <laughs> oh, you know, you can get hundred percent equity of nothing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Next mistake. I'm All right, good. Let's do this. All right, who was that? Yo, was it's Zero. Good morning. What's happening? What up, Zero? I just saw you down there, brother. We got a podcast next yeah, week. I yes, think, right? uh, yeah, I think so. I, I don't know my calendar until the week before, so <laughs> or yeah. the, the, the day before the week starts. Hey, so yep. uh, what what makes you now? Don't take this the wrong way, please. Uh, I'd love to hear your framework or breakdown just a little bit. I, I'm going to get into it deeper on the podcast, but. You know, what makes you so good besides that beautiful radio voice? Oh, <laughs> um, I, if you want the truth, it's the humble alpha operating system. 
you know, in our book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha, we go through five core models of which we live by. And it was so good that a Forbes Business School, Harvard and Stanford are picking it up. As course curriculum, as if you can actually get in the future, this is probably, this isn't official yet. I, I, I might be even screwing it up now, but if you can imagine in the future, in the near future, you'll be able to take the Humble Alpha Leadership course and get a Harvard certificate for that. How freaking crazy is that? Why is that? Because the Humble Alpha operating system puts you in a place where you are golden. And that's because golden with yourself means golden with the world. So that means we can go through the five core models. First one is HIT, honesty, integrity, and transparency. Everyone knows that one. I hope you know it. They used to call me the hitman. Honesty with yourself, why you do, say, and think what you do is the, is the honest, is the HIT, is the H part. Transparency is how you step into the world with that honesty, and it's your ongoing reputation. Byproduct is, is, um, is integrity. Integrity makes you authentic. Authenticity allows you to dictate your market value, right? Then we have creating space. Then we have life, life enterprise. Then we have investing in relational capital. And then we have that, the all and the all, the one equalizer in the whole world, what everybody seeks, and that's quality of life, right? So those are the four models that we have in the book. The book is broken down into five, sorry, five models. The five were broken into five sections, and each section has a story or two from my life and Lane's life. It has a lesson from that, and then it has exact action steps, what you can do to not not how, but what you can do um, to unleash your own personal version of a humble alpha, which is someone who owns their presence in life through their purpose. Meaning, my purpose amplifies my true identity and gives me a presence that is so authentic and so one of a kind. When you speak, when you talk, you don't even have to talk or speak when you're in a room. People see you, feel you, and know that you know you, you, you got your stuff together. That's why, C-Rock. That's why. Because most it. people... I love most, it. Yeah, well, look at that. Ch uh, check it out. If you ask anybody in here, what are your core principles? They'll be like, ah, well, you know, honesty, and I like, you know, being on time, and whatever. And if you ask somebody, okay, what's your core operating system? Like, what do you mean? And here's, here's what I mean by operating system, and this, this will make it very clear. Your MacBook or your Windows book has an operating system. That operating system runs everything. Yes, you can download apps, Yes, you can you can get upgrades or you know um, whatever you call it you know upgrades and and, and whatever you, you know more RAM or bit or whatever you call it, but that operating system has to stay the same or it falls apart, right? What's your operating system as a human being? What's your operating system as you know C Rock, the guy who who is out there crushing it? Do you have an operating system behind you? And here's the key: if you don't, it's because because you don't know that you do. You actually have an operating system, but you never articulated it. That's all we did in the Humble Alpha is we articulated our operating system. And just so happens that it happens to be a pretty good one. So I can highly encourage every single one of you say to go out there and say, what do I actually, how do I operate? What are my core principles? Use the book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha. Go to humblealpha.com, grab it, or Amazon, or Audible. And use that as a, as a guide and say, well, what are my core, core, core values and principles? What do I want to live by? And how do I make my life... Um, Measurable, if you will, because I know what I'm doing every minute of the day. I know that when I talk to somebody, I'm using hit. I know that when I go into a meeting yesterday, Jesus, I had a meeting with a blockchain company and made a deal with them um, for three times six figures uh, in tokens uh, for the team, right? For our team. And he was like, yeah, we can do that. 
blew me away, but I operated from hit honesty, integrity, and transparency. I operated and my honest, my honest, um, um, query was about value for the team. Like I wanted to get value for the team up front to ensure that they're going to like bust their butts to make this happen. What's going on, what we're doing. And so we got three times six figure tokens, right? Crypto tokens, which blew my mind, which was super awesome. And it was just like a, like a wink of an eye. It was that simple. And that's because I know how I operate. I know every single thing that I do is based upon those five core models and my core principles. And so that's why I see rock. Great question. I love that. So everybody go out there and grab the book. <laughs> You're going to love it. Um, so we got three minutes. Jesus, that was a quick hour of me winging it. I hope it, I hope you all enjoyed it. Anyone else have any last, last remarks or any last questions? Hey, Steven, this is Jamita. I have hey, a question. Sure. Um, you kind of hit on it a little, but has there been a time where a company has sold one that you've worked with where you, where they tried to buy you out and you actually accepted or you, you saw value in, in jumping ship? Oh, well, yeah, that's the whole point is having equity in companies is I, you know, I learned a very valuable lesson when I got out of the army. I told you I opened a cocktail bar and, uh, my dad's, my, my father, my, my uh, maternal father, he was like, the first time anyone offers you money for your business, always take it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just take it because you'll never get that offer again. It's always a high one. And so I opened a cocktail bar literally four months later, I had an offer for more than what I invested in this cocktail bar. And I was like, wow, it's only been a couple months, man. It's worth that. I'll, you know, it was, I think it was 300 K they wanted to buy this little 40 square meter cocktail bar. It was, it was all custom. I mean, even the, even the handrails were all custom made anyway. So, um, I even did a deal for that cause I had no money to open the bar, but I had the brewery, the, the beer brewery pay for everything. And I, I bought their beer for five years at double the price. And that's how I paid the loan back <laughs> anyway. So, um, um, what was the question that I forget? Oh yeah. So, um, selling the company. So you always want to enter a company to exit it. You don't want to, you don't want to keep a company for the rest of your life. So my dad said, take that first offer. And I didn't. And I ended up selling that and two other cocktail bars that I had opened 10 years later for a total of 50 K. So a massive loss, right? Massive loss. But if I'd have taken the first one, I'd had a 300 K then I could open up more that kind of thing. So yes, uh, sell X. You should actually, when you start a company, you should actually start with the exit in mind and set the exit structure in place because you want to exit. You want to build exit, build exit, build exit. People think, Hey, if I open a company, I can run it for 50 years. Yeah. If you want to bust your ass for 50 years and work eight, 10, 12, 15 hours a day, knock yourself out. I, me, I work. If you want to call it that about four hours a day. Why? Because I have, con I have, um, you know, collaboration partners, JV partners, partners that run the show and all kind of stuff that want to do that kind of stuff. And me, I'm the powerful connector and, and, and problem solver. That's what I do. And that's what I stick by. And that's my superpower. So why would I do anything else? Right? Make sense? All right. That's it, ladies and gents. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad I got through that hour. I was a little worried. <laughs> my laptop was dead. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.